Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... An audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not already a subscriber of this series, I hope you take that moment right now to hit the subscribe button. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. and would love to keep you up to date. Of course, you can subscribe on YouTube, on Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. That includes iTunes and Apple Podcasts, where hopefully, if you uh, enjoy this enough, you can give it a rating and leave a review as well. Well, I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Slim Jim Phantom of the band Stray Cats. The Stray Cats are back with their first album in 26 years. It's called 40 because it lines up with their 40th anniversary. And if you are any kind of regular listener to this series, you know how I love anniversaries. So we're going to be heading back 40 years to talk about what made Stray Cats special. The, the trio of, of these three guys, what made them so special? The chemistry they, they brought to each other and the sounds they made. And we're going to figure out how that all equals into the music they're making today with this album, 40. We'll hear about uh, recording live in the studio together, something that a lot of bands, as easy as it sounds, they don't actually do that often these days. I'll also tell you about uh, one of my favorite songs from the album, Cry Danger, which is uh, co-written by Mike Campbell of the Heartbreakers. Slim Jim also talks about a, a new project he's doing with Jimmy Barnes, an upcoming rockabilly album. And we'll even hit on a record he put out in 1999, 20 years ago, uh, with the Swing Cats right at the height of the Swing Revival. And how all of that, as he says, leads back to Eddie Cochran. But it's really all about this new album called 40. It's Kyle Meredith with the Stray Cats. Slim Jim. 
It is so exciting to have the uh, the Stray Cats back and an excellent new record with uh, with Forty. Uh, I also noticed that uh, before I get into that, I guess th- did I see that you played? It looked like a hell of a gig uh, over the weekend. Strange Eighties, Three D. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good charity, Charity Bomb. Um, our friend Matt DeLeon. Um, uh, yeah, I did it with um, with the guy, uh, the peeps, the guys and the gals from Eagles of Death Metal. Um, Jenny V, my fiance, and her gang. Um, yeah, it's for a good cause. There's a lot of good um, artists there, and we just went up and knocked the dust off a few um, few '80s ones for charity. It was good fun. Well, man, um, seriously though, congratulations on this uh, new Stray Cats record. This has been so much fun to listen to, Thank and you. it's it's great to have you all back like this. First album together in 26 years. I mean, that's a lifetime for for any bands. Uh, you know, it's more than a lifetime yeah. for most bands. Does it feel new, or are you able to reconnect in the same way that you you, know, you used to in the past? I think we're able to reconnect. It doesn't. Um, I mean, it feels new that it's new songs and it's um, exciting. But it's one of those times in life, and I'm even regardless of how much time has passed. When I'm with the other two, it really seems to be what you're supposed to be doing, like a familiar thing. Uh, uh, so I never, I think it's a human condition when you're running around doing stuff in life, you always think, what I sh- what else should I be doing? Where should I be? What should I, is there something else? When I'm with the other two, it kind of feels exactly like what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's very comfortable and we, you know, we have so much history, personally, musical, it's all intertwined since we were kids that it feels very familiar and very normal. That's what to be doing. But at the same time, it feels because it's new songs and no one really ever plays, plays the same lick twice in the Stray Cat. So it, so it feels very familiar, fresh at the same time. I've always thought it's kind of interesting, you know, musicians different than any other, um, even career in the arts and everything, because you're all, you know, if you had success, uh, at, at any kind of early point in your career, you're, you're always sort of held on to that. So even you know, 26 years between albums, and I know you've you played together, you know, periodically through that time. But you were never. I mean, does it feel like you were ever able to escape? I mean, weren't the Stray Cats always there? Uh, yeah. And for me personally, that's been a very good positive thing. I'm I'm proud of it. I. I I suppose that would you know if you were um, you know a child actor or something you know stuck to a you know, <laughs> stuck to a role that you were uncomfortable with, so that was your whole life. But I at the same time embrace that kind of thing because it's classic, it's culture, and I'm personally very very proud that the Stray Cats be on my tombstone. You know, um, so for me that's always been something that kind of I personally. As a drummer and as a musician and as just a you know a dude, um, I wanted that, so I kind of got what I wanted. As as far as that, um, I never found it to be artistically restraining or anything like that. I I I am kind of happy about it and proud of it always. So um, I'm the right guy to talk to about that because <laughs> there's been no regrets for it. We connected so much to the chemistry that the three of you all had together. What is it you find in each other that you know that you didn't get with someone else? wherever, whenever. I think when we started, we were so young. I didn't really even know. You know, we played with a lot of people. I was thinking about we grew up that um, there were a lot of people. So you were young, but had already been playing a lot. Lee and I, but, you know, Brian did too, to be honest. Very, very close. We all kind of made a living at this from a very early age. Even if it was hustling up school dances, in my case, or keg parties, or bar mitzvahs, or local you know, bars that you'd go, and Lee and I would play with the older, you know, blues guys for $10, and I, you know, whatever, played five, seven. But we saw, we, we always made a living at it. Like, I always put gas in my car for work, and um, 
as a drummer. So um, when we, uh, the three of us got together, we had all these, even though we were quite young, had quite a, quite a bit of experience, not for what would eventually happen. No one would have, the, uh, would have that experience, but that uh, you know, knowledge for when it happens. But we had all played a lot, and uh, by the time we had made it, we had already played as the, as a trio, as the Stray Cats, quite a lot. Before anyone really ever heard of us, we had done four sets a night, five nights a week for, for you know, for quite a while. So uh, what we got from each other was kind of like a, like a musical chemistry. One plays the bass, one plays the, one plays the guitar, and we were from the same neighborhood. So um, we had that to really rely on each other from uh, for, and uh, it just kind of clicked right away. Everyone kind of understood that something has to rock and something has to swing at the same time. And that was really musically the, um, the, you know, the chemistry. Somebody can rock, somebody can swing, and understand that you need to do both. And it's very hard because if you write it out on paper, it looks all the same, really. And it's, it's a little bit of a, um, of a feel and a kind of unspoken you know, way to play together. So going into this uh, album then, and, and with all of that history, and of course, I think there are probably expectations from fans about what they want a Stray Cats record to sound like. D- does an, a record that lines up with a big anniversary like this, does it need to speak to the past? Well, sure, because it's all um, what we do in general. We love roots music and um, rockabilly specifically with us, but so it's got to speak to the past on a certain level. But the trick that the Stray Cats have always kind of worked Towards, which might be why we separated from the pack a little bit, and all the you know the great bands that you like from any specific genre, you have to keep it moving forward. Where at the same time you're not reinventing the wheel, but you're putting different spokes in it or maybe different shreds. You know, they're rockabilly, they're rock and roll songs that harken back to Bebopalula or Blue Suede Shoes or Summertime Blues, all the great ones. But we're trying to always make it a little bit different. And that's all the you know people you like, if it's the Beatles or the Stones or the Led Zeppelin, or, you know, whoever you want to talk about in rock, they're taking like a genre, an art form, and just making it a little bit different, putting your own sp- uh, um, slant on it, you know. So that's the that's the thing. So you have to have one foot in the past and one foot kind of moving forward. I hear that a lot, you know, what you're talking about on a, a song like Cry Danger, which it really sticks out for me is, is one of my favorites. But it's also it it feels different and I can't quite put my finger on why. Why does that one feel so different to me? Well, the chords are a little bit different. Like, it, it, it's just it's it's a song that feels familiar. She loves you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That in in the middle of it, there's a chord that really shouldn't be there. <laughs> you look at the technicality of rock and want to talk about, you know, the blues and that, um, you just have to make a little bit of a, um, uh, and, and that's the hardest thing to do, to rewrite a Chuck Berry song. How, how are you going to do that? You know, Brian and Lee are very, very musical um, guys, like way ahead of everyone else. And uh, uh, we've chosen Rockabilly. And I try to do my bit to, you know, make it a little bit different, like maybe move, move to a different drum on the chorus, or maybe just turn the beat around a little bit it's not exactly reinventing something but it's kind of like changing it enough to make it yours and make it different but at the same time it's familiar that's very hard to do i mean it's easy to go way way out on a limb you know but then you're way out you're too far from the roots right Uh, so i think the hardest thing is to you know make it simple and make it different did did i read somewhere that that track to decry danger was uh had some uh, co-writing with mike campbell from the heartbreakers yeah the riff i think brian had for a for like a while, just that the the main riff, but the rest of the song came 
much later, just kind of recently. And because we're all honest mechanics with the guys, you know, you give credit where credit's due. And Mike did write that with Brian. It's, it really oh, is. Yeah. I, I love that one. And so many on here, too. Yeah. Recording live together, which, you know, I watched the little uh, teaser documentary or whatever that, you know, came out with the album and, and seeing you all in the studio talking about how you wanted to record live together to get that immediacy and energy. Why do most bands avoid that? Because you can hear it with what you all do. The technical reason is because there's a lot of bleed on microphones. I mean, even if bands that want to do it and can, I think a lot of stuff is done differently now. Um, but kind of technical thing in the studio, and you have this with radio, uh, it's that the mics really, if, if you're playing the drums in the same room as the singing, wow, that's just a racket, right? So there's got to be a lot of it is going to a certain volume that you play at and certain confidence in the others. We had very little separation, uh, but we wanted to be able to see each other most of it has to do with I don't want to say why people don't do it is because of the you know the volume and the microphones and it's very hard to control it. It's a little bit easier now. You know, maybe more people would do it because things go to um, pro tools. But I think you really have to be able to play as a band. It's like because you might try to live in the studio a hundred times and it's kind of hard to get a take. I would think you know. Um, but we had you know, a lot of experience doing this and and we wanted to. Um, to have as much like the gig as we could, which is, you know, it's much harder than it seems. And we flew microphones from funny places to get a, um, a room sound. And it wasn't traditional miking. Peter Collins produced in Vance Powell, who's the engineer. He works at Third Man. He's like a, he's one of these um, modern sound genius guys that has one foot in the past and one foot moving forward. So he's got microphones from the, from the ancient times, but running it through modern equipment. And we uh, put the whole track, which is very rare, no one has done it since the 50s, really, put the whole track through a tape delay. Most times you want to be able to control, it's all about control, really, whether it's doing it live in the studio or, or it's all about being able to control each microphone, each track to ultimately blend it to mix the record. So when you go live, you're taking away a lot of the control that's gonna, that you're going to need later on in the process, right? So we ran the whole thing through a tape delay, which 99 out of 100 times, you want to put the echo on each individual track so you can control it later on. We were very confident in our ability to do it live, so the echo, the tape delay was on the whole track at once. Very, you know, it's very simple, but it's also very technical at right. the same time. It's interesting because you reminded me, you know, I'll, I'll invoke the heartbreakers again here because you reminded me of a Tom Petty quote when he was talking about sort of the difference when they were coming up versus, you know, how a band might come up now that that you had to earn an album, that you had to get out there and know yeah. your songs so well that by the time you got in there, like you knew them forward and backward. Right. You were very prepared. I think everyone, hopefully, should have of a certain ilk. Right? Their first album was what they were playing to get them the record. You had to play that set thousand times to get a record. <laughs> so that's very, I, I, it's good. And um, I had gone to the day that, or for us anyway, that you know you go into the studio and you know try to write a song and meanwhile you're playing pool for Four hundred dollars an hour. You know, I, no one does that that I know anymore. It's uh, you go prepared. So Brian, um, when we had uh, when he got the inspiration to really do this record was after we played a few shows over the summertime of 2018, August 2018, uh, September. He said, I, "I'm knocking around some song ideas into doing a record." Yeah, and he was in the demos. 
him playing the guitar, very kind of rough demos, and we would talk about the parts, and just everyone was prepared. So before we went in and played Cry Danger, I already kind of played it a thousand times just with acoustic guitar and, you know, on his demo. It came up with the parts. So um, it was the first time we had played a few of those songs, but at the same time, we were prepared. So I think that's very important, you know. I I would think Petty would tell you that one. It was very important to go and prepare. Like I said, it, it just sounds so powerful coming through here. Outside of this, let's see here. You got a new band with Jimmy Barnes? Is that also in your in, in your well, happening? He's he's been you know talking about it for like about twenty years. Well, he's an original friend of ours. We know it's since the eighties in Australia. But Brian had played on uh, his solo record in the eighties when he came out to L.A. And it's just funny. We've always stayed friends, all of us, with Barnsey. And um, he's been threatening this. And we should make a rockabilly record someday. Sure, Jimmy, you're my buddy. Anytime you want. And he just apparently said it on the you know the national TV in Australia. So. It's, I guess it, and 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 then he and I have been speaking just past, you know past couple of days after he said this, and we're gonna find the time and go make a rockabilly record. Yeah, maybe we'll do it in Australia, maybe here. I don't know. I'm up for it. Yeah, I'm with Chris Cheney, of course. I'll rockabilly, you know, true pal Chris Cheney, who I've done some other stuff with, and they're all Australian together. Those two guys. So, um, so we'll make a plan. It's funny if you build it, they will come. Kind of moments manifesting uh, what what he wanted <laughs> by putting exactly. it out into the world. We've been talking about it for 20 years, so it's. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. It's it's funny you brought it uh, twenty years too, because I noticed you know uh, other than uh, the fortieth anniversary, a, a few of the others, and the Swing Cats debut actually turns twenty this year, which was sort of an interesting moment. You know, as you as you're talking about, you know, here we are again. You know, with with, with another the you know the fifty thousandth rebirth of, of of this sound and rockabilly and coming back into vogue again, but. But that was one of those moments where the entire world was kind of in tune to what you know you guys were were up there preaching. Yeah, and and I think it'll always come back to it, it's really, because everything my manifesto is all roads lead to Eddie Cochran, and in what we do, with rock and rollers, I think you have to have some type of connection to it. Whether it, you know, no matter how thin the thread may get, I think there's got to be a connection to it, and that's why you know with the Swing Cats, with really was you know Lenny and me making a record. It's he was my friend, like Bonzi. He's just my friend, really. Um, and how does you know how do we manifest our friendship? You know, by making a record, and that's how you spend time together. And no matter how thin the thread may be, like some of the hard rock types and people in general, the rockabillies too. Lenny, Rockabilly, Straight Cats, Slim Jim. Yes, it's so obvious that it's hard to see. And that's what I think it's clearer than it was before the Straight Cats, right? We couldn't make that connection. But you find out the longer you're at this, it really all leads back to that. Unless there's Eddie Cochran, there's no Beatles or Stones or Led Zeppelin or Sex Pistols or however you want to trace the thing. And all those cats will be the first to tell you that with, without the original American Rock and Rollers, we don't arrive here. Right. Six Pistols were in a vacuum. Motorhead was in a vacuum. The Clash was in a vacuum. The Beatles were in a vacuum. It leads to some, you know, it leads back. And I'm, you know, happy to um, to be a little bit of a thread to all these cats. You know, my friends and my friends and uh, honest mechanics. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Stevens and the Garage, <laughs> which I do love listening to every week. Oh, oh yeah, that's fine right now. Take some break. From- 
Well, I am certainly grateful that uh, that you are part of that thread and and a mechanic and 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 whatever other you know term you want to throw out there. Uh, Slim Jim Phantom, I, I can't thank you enough, one, for continuing this musical journey with the new Stray Cats record, but also for your time today on this phone call. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, buddy. Anytime. You're, uh, you're obviously super intuitive and understand, and we want we want that. <laughs> That's what we want. I'm and here. You keep putting out the music. Everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep listening. Doing it. You keep bringing it, and we're, we're all in it together. Awesome, man. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, take care, and, uh, and congrats. Uh, nice one, buddy. All right, see ya. Okay, thanks again. Bye-bye. Oh, my thanks to Slim Jim Phantom. The new Stray Cats record is called 40, and it is available now. Hey, before you get out of here, I, I hope you hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, again, you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, where you can also leave a review and give the series a rating. Uh, you can also subscribe on Spotify and YouTube as well if you, if you end up over there a little bit more often. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.